Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Jonah chapter 2 verse 10. Jonah had been called by God to preach a message of repentance to a very wicked, vile, and dangerous people. These people were not the kind of people that you might desire to see preserved. They were the enemy of Jonah's people. They were a selfish, violent, perverted, and cruel people. When God told Jonah that they were facing annihilation, lest they repented, Jonah's heart towards them probably said, Good riddance. Yet God's ways are so much higher than our ways, his mercies so much greater, his patience so much grander, his love so much deeper. God sees in eternities. The death of a saint is precious to him, like a child being born into heaven to live with him forever there. So different does he see it than we in our grieving, because we limit our perspective to earthly things. Yet the death of the wicked to God is a much more grievous and sorrowful thing, I think. For they die a true death of eternal separation from the king. So is he extremely patient with them as he gives them space for repentance in hope that they will make the right decision and be born into his kingdom. Jonah, however, couldn't see this. He was blinded to God's broken heart over these children lost because his thoughts were fixed on their current condition of confusion, deception, and wickedness against him and his people. You see, Jonah, he understood God's mercy and his judgments, but he applied them to others and not himself. He knew that their sin was bringing judgment against them and that they more than deserved it. He also knew that if they repented and laid down their own selfish will to the obedience of God, then he would delight to show mercy to them. And apparently he did not think that they deserved this. So he chose to withhold it from them. He took the warning that God had given him, this great mercy he was offering, and ran in the opposite direction with it. And in doing this, was he now just as guilty of selfishness, rebellion, and disobedience as them? So while he had judged them worthy of judgment, in doing this, he himself had become worthy of it. So a storm rose up against him. He was cast into the sea, and a great fish swallowed him, leaving him in a hellish torment in the deep. Yet in this judgment was wrapped up mercy, that Jonah himself was undeserving of. And as he sat in it, he was given the same decision that he had tried to withhold from the wicked. He could harden his heart and be brought down to the pit in a final judgment, or he could lay down his selfishness, his logic, his feelings, and repent and lay hold of God's mercy. In actuality, he was in the same place as the Ninevite, in need of God's mercy and grace, becoming grateful for God's great patience, 
gaining compassion for those who needed humbling and saving from the depths that trusting in their own vain imaginations had brought them. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, he said, When my soul fainted within me, then I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. For they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. The word soul in Hebrew is something completely separate from one's spirit. In actuality, it refers to one's personal will, the mind will, and the emotion. Jonah had committed the same sin that he had judged the Ninevites for. He followed the leading of his own heart, which is always selfish, in opposition to God's instruction, which is always selfless. Yet in this place of personal judgment, His will finally broke. His efforts had failed him. His soul, it says, fainted within him. And then his prayer was lifted up to the Holy One. He had finally stopped running and started crying out to God and seeking Him. His wisdom, His instruction, His salvation. He finally understood that those who obey the lying, vain thoughts that the enemy plants in your mind through pride will only cause you to forsake the great mercies that God is trying to give you through his instructions, counsel, and wisdom. Jonah himself had to learn this before he could preach it to others. He had to come face to face with God's judgment that was actually mercy that not only saved him from dying in rebellion, but brought him all the way to the very shores of destiny. A fish had interceded for him, that he might intercede for the wicked, that God might have the opportunity to show mercy over judgment. God always delights in mercy, but we have to learn to trust him and his love for us, that we don't forsake it, trusting in our own vain imaginations. Jonah continues. He says, but I will sacrifice unto thee With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, Paul so wisely speaks by the leading and unction of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, once that when your obedience is fulfilled. You see, my friend, humility will bring you to destiny. Because the Bible says very clearly that God pours more grace upon the humble. He says that if we will humble ourselves, then he will exalt us. That if we choose the low seat, the servant's seat, then he will raise us up. That he resists the proud, but exalteth the humble. Humility 
is the key that will bring you to your destiny. Jonah had to learn this. In his pride and arrogance, he had to be humbled. He had to be brought to a very low place. But in doing so, it brought him to the very shores of the greatest revival ever recorded in history. He had to see his own need for saving before he could preach repentance with passion and deliver mercy with reverence. He had to come to his own Gethsemane, a place where he was willing to say, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, he said, when my soul fainted within me, then my cry came unto thee. When my will, when my own feelings were laid down, when my understanding was put to death, then I surrendered to your plan. And how grand his plan is for all of us, my friend. Jonah truly did not understand the depths of God's great mercy and the revival that he wished to birth through him. There has never been more souls won into the kingdom by one single sermon than what happened at Nineveh through this man, an unwilling revivalist that almost missed destiny because of pride, arrogance, and self-will. Yet God in his mercy took him to a low place, a humbling, and he surrendered to it. Because there's one thing about humility, my friend, though it does bring destiny, God will never force it upon you because it is contrary to the very nature of what it is. Humility has to be chosen. It's got to be of your own free will. God will bring you to a humiliating situation, but it is still your choice to either be humbled or hardened by it. God, let us choose humility. Let us choose to bend the knee to you, to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. I lay down my understanding. I lay down my offenses. I lay down my judgments and my self-righteousness against the wicked. And I say, God, whatever it takes, bring them to repentance. And if it be in your will, use me to preach it. Though they hate me for it. Though they kill me for it. Because Jonah knew that these people very well could. They were known for wallpapering the streets of their cities with the skins of their enemies. Lord, give us a heart for the Ninevites in our own life. And God, we thank you for the depths of your great love and mercy that you were not even willing to let these people slip into eternity without hearing the truth and giving them mercy. Because the people of Nineveh did repent. They sat in sackcloth and ashes. They fasted. They cried out. They had revival. And they got a reprieve that lasted many generations. God, it is possible even for our own nation, Lord. So we humble ourselves before you, Lord. And we say it doesn't matter how dangerous the mission. If you choose to commission us, put your word in our mouth. But don't send us out with that sword until we've first gotten your heart. Humble us, Lord. We choose to trust in you. We crucify our will that yours might be fulfilled through us. We can't do it, but we can yield ourselves to it that we might walk in your righteousness, that Jesus might come alive in us and might fulfill your great will through us. Our lives laid down 
he is resurrected. We humble ourselves before you, Jesus, and trust you to lead us into the destiny that you have for us. The Bible says that God pours out more grace upon the humble, but yet he resists the proud. And of course we know we are saved by grace, so we cannot be saved even to step into the plans and promises that God has for us, except but through humility. Humility causes us, like Jonah, to stop running in the wrong direction and start submitting to Jesus and his infinite wisdom. It allows us to receive the grace that empowers us. Because you see, grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's favor, it's sonship, it's all that is afforded to us whenever we become joint heirs with Christ. When his spirit resides within us, the power that is given to it and manifests through us, that is grace. We often confuse grace with mercy, but they're not the same. The definition of grace is God's favor, his power, and his divine influence. Because the Bible says that grace was given to teach men to forsake sin and to live godly in this present world. In other words, it equips you and empowers you to walk in righteousness. And of course, we understand that scripture also tells us that the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man, they avail much. You see, my friend, this grace that comes only by humility is needed to bring us into destiny, to the plans and purposes and the power that God has for you and for me. We've got to stop trusting our own decision. We've got to stop trusting that we've already made it. And we've got to cry out to the one who is the head of all power and principality. We've got to get in the prayer closet again, like Jonah did. He went to a low place and realized that all of his own plannings and actions brought him there. And then he humbled his soul and tried prayer. Oh God, let the church of America learn this lesson, for they have tried everything in their own intellect. And yet the days get darker and the generations get more rebellious. But if God's people would humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways and pray, then God would hear from heaven and he would heal their land. This is a promise that he has given. The question is, do we believe it? This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.